0: chapter 8 of the last stroke this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit librivox.org recording by fiddlesticks the last stroke by laurence l lynch chapter 8 trickery as was quite natural the three men thrown so strangely and unexpectedly together at the doctor's cottage sat up late after the inquest and discussed the strange death of charles brierly in all its bearings as a result of this they slept somewhat late except the detective who let himself out of the house at sunrise and lighting a cigar set off for a short walk up one certain street and down another he walked slowly and looked indolently absorbed in his cigar but it was a very observant eye that noted from under the peak of his english cap the streets the houses and the very few stray people whom he passed it was not the people though in whom he was chiefly interested ferraz was intently studying the typography of the town at least of that portion of it which he was then traversing with such seeming aimlessness from the doctor's carriage he had sauntered north for several blocks crossed over until he reached the upper or terraced street and followed it until he had reached the southern edge of the village and was in sight of the schoolhouse not far beyond turning here he crossed a street or two and was nearing the house where the dead school-teacher had lived when he saw the front door of the house open and a woman come out and hasten away in the direction in which he was moving she hurried on like one intent upon some absorbing errand and knowing the house as the late home of charles brierly and the woman as its mistress ferrars quickened his steps that he might keep her in sight and when he turned the corner leading directly to the doctor's cottage he further increased his speed feeling instinctively that her errand whatever its nature would take her there he was not far behind her now and he saw the doctor standing alone upon the side porch saw the woman enter at the side gate and the meeting of the two Mrs. Fry, with her back towards him, was making excited gestures, and the face of the doctor, visible above her head, changed from a look of mild wonder to such sudden anxiety and amazement that the detective halted at the gate, hesitating, and was seen at that instant by the doctor, who beckoned him on with a look of relief. "'Look here, us," he began, and then turned to assure himself that Briarly had not arisen, and was not observing them from the office window. "'Come this way a few steps.' moving away from the porch and halting where the shadow of the wing hid them from view from within the main dwelling and now mrs fry please tell mr grant what you had begun to tell me i want his opinion on it He's not a bad lawyer a good detective'd be the right thing i think declared the woman it's about mr brierly's room sir he had a small bedroom another opening out from it where he used to read and study you know how they were doctor the doctor nodded silently well last night you remember when you brought this gentleman and his brother to my place to look at the rooms you or he decided not to go up then but told me to close the rooms and he would come to-morrow to-day that would be yes yes said the doctor impatiently we remember all that mrs fry well i'd had the rooms locked ever since i heard that he was dead mrs fry was growing somewhat hazy as to her pronouns and i had the key in my pocket then well after a while i lit the lamp in the sitting-room so's it wouldn't seem so gloomy in the house and went out and sat on my side stoop and after a little my neighbor on that side mrs robson came across to the lawn there ain't no fence between you know and we talked for some time and my little girl fell asleep with her head in my lap don't be too long with the story broke in the doctor i don't want to spoil mr brierly's breakfast for he needs it badly "'Yes, sir. Well, just about that time—it must have been half-past eight, I guess—and there was plenty of folks all along the street. A boy came running across the lawn and right up to me. "'If you please,' he says, touching his hat-rim. "'Mr. Brierley, down to the doctor's, forgot to get the key to his brother's room, and he sent me to get it for him. I suppose I was foolish. I felt hurt, thinking he couldn't trust me with his brother's things, and so I just hands out the key and no questions asked.' a look of sudden alertness shot from the eyes of the detective and he arrested the doctor's evident impatience by a quick shake of the head unperceived by the woman who was addressing her narrative to the doctor as was natural i s'pose she went on that i shouldn't a done it but i didn't scent anything wrong then mrs robson went home in a few minutes and then i roused my little girl up and took her in and put her to bed she was asleep again almost as soon as her head touched the pillow and the night was so pleasant-like that i threw my shawl on my shoulders and went out onto the front stoop i felt sort of lonesome in the house all alone of course commented faraz seeing the dread of their criticism or displeasure that was manifest in her face as she paused and looked from one to the other one naturally would in your place yes i suppose so she went on reassured well i hadn't been out there two minutes when that same boy came running up the walk all out of breath and says sort of panting between words ma'am the lady that lives next the engine-house by the corner stopped me just now and asked me to come back here and beg you to come down there quick her little boy's got himself burned awful i see hurrahs spoke low as if to himself and his face wore the look of one who is beginning to understand a riddle you went of course yes i went go on with the story please tell it all as you have begun let us have the details,' and he again nodded toward the doctor, who was regarding him with profound surprise, and put a finger to his lip. "'My sister-in-law lives in the house by the engine-house,' Mrs. Fry hurried on, and knowing how careless she is about keeping things in the house against such times, I ran back into my bedroom and got a bottle of camphor and a roll of cotton bat. "'Run ahead, boy,' I says to the boy, and tell her I am coming. I must lock up my doors and windows. "'She's in an awful hurry,' he says,' Cryin' fit to kill i'll set right down here and watch your house ma'am i can do no good there the boy spoke so honest and mary's boy is such a dear little fellow that i just lost my head complete and ran off down the sidewalk at the corner i looked back the boy was sitting on the doorstep and i heard him whistlin'. some way it made me feel quite easy but then i got to the house and found them all in the sitting-room and nettie not hurt at all but sound asleep on the floor i was so took back that i just dropped down in a chair and acted like a wild woman instead of rushing back that very minute i sat there and told how i had been tricked and scolded about the boy and vowed i'd have him well punished and so on until mary reminded me that i'd better get back home and see if the house was all right or if twas only a boy's trick it looked like one surely was the detective's easy comment that's what mr jones said he's my neighbor and he was just going home and we overtook him Mary told him about the boy, and he laughed, and said that some boys had played that sort of trick last summer two or three times, sending people running across the town on some such fool's errand. He thought maybe 'twas some boy that I had offended some way. And then I thought about how crisp I was about giving the boy mr Brierly's key, and it made me feel sort of easier. But mr Jones went in with us when we got to my house. We looked all round downstairs, and everything was all right. Ellie was fast asleep still, and not a thing had been disturbed then we went upstairs just for form's sake mr jones said and locked in all the bedrooms and even tried mr brierly's door everything seemed right and so mr jones and mary went away and i went to bed but some way i couldn't sleep sound i felt provoked and angry about the boy and the more i thought of him of his being a stranger and all the uneasier i got and then i began to imagine i heard queer sounds and creaking doors and right on the heels of all that came a loud slam that waked nelly and made me skip right out of bed a shutter of course said the doctor as she paused for breath yes a shutter and i knew well every shutter in my house was either shut tight or locked up i looked to that every night as soon as it's lamp-lighting time them downstairs i shut them upstairs i open sometimes i knew where that slam and shutter was by the sound and it set me to dressing quick I had opened the shutters on Mr. Brierly's windows that very afternoon, thinking the rooms would not seem quite so dreary and lonesome when his brother came to look through em, and they was locked open. I knew well, all the same, it was them shutters, or one of em that was clattering then, and I knew it. "'Were you alone in the house, you and your little girl?' asked Mr. ferraz "'All alone, yes, sir, and I took Nellie with me and went out into the hall.' "'You mean downstairs?' yes sir we sleep downstairs now i thought i had seen that everything was right when mr jones and mary was with me but when we went into the hall doctor turning again toward that gentleman for she addressed her later remarks to ferraz i guess you may remember a shelf just at the foot of the stairs it's right behind the door when it stands open and that's why we hadn't seen it or i hadn't before well i always set the lamp for mr briley's room his bedroom lamp that is on the shelf for him every morning as soon as it had been filled for the night's burning and the morning he was killed i had put it there as usual and it had been there ever since it was there when mr brierly and you two gentlemen called after the inquest a queer little sound escaped the detective's throat and again he checked the doctor's impatience with that slight movement of his head i don't call myself brave the woman went on but i caught nelly by the hand i was carrying my bedroom lamp and ran up the stairs and straight to mr brierly's door i don't know what made me do it but i stooped down to look through the keyhole and there in the door was the very key i had given to that boy to take to mr briley's brother what did you do asked the doctor breathlessly i set down my lamp very softly told nelly in a whisper not to make a noise and then very carefully tried the key it turned in the lock i didn't dare go in but i locked the door left the key in it and went downstairs and out at the front door i went around the house and stood under the window of that room the side window shutter that i had fastened back was swinging loose i went back to the sitting-room locking the front door and the doors from the hall into the front room and sitting-room taking out the key of the front door and leaving the other keys and locks on my side then i lit the big lamp pulled down the curtains fixed the side door so i could open it quick and set the big dinner-bell close by it I made Nellie lie down on the lounge with her clothes on, and there I sat till morning. Before daylight I went into the kitchen and moved about very softly to get myself a cup of coffee and a bite of breakfast for Nellie. I had been careful not to let her see how I was scared, and she went sound asleep right away. As soon as I thought you would be up, I woke my little girl and left her sitting upon the side stoop while I came here to you. Mr. Briley's brother ought to be the first to enter that room, and if there was anyone there last night, they're there yet. What room is that which I ought to enter, mrs Fry? said a voice behind them, and turning altogether they saw robert Brierly standing at the edge of the porch where it joined the wall of the doctor's room. I was afraid of this, muttered doctor Barnes, but the detective seemed in no wise disconcerted, neither did he seem inclined to listen or allow Brierly to listen to a repetition of mrs Fry's story. You are here just in time, Mr. Brierly, he said briskly. Mrs. Fry believes that someone has paid a visit to your brother's room during the night, and as she says, you are the one who should investigate, and I think it ought to be done at once if you feel up to it. I'll be with you in a moment, replied Brierly promptly, and he went indoors by way of the French windows which had given him egress. End of chapter 8